This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. So the last 24 hours, things have been moving very quickly on the Ukrainian border. Uh, This morning, we're hearing that Olaf Scholz, the German chancellor, has cancelled Nord Stream 2. James, what's happened? So yesterday, Vladimir Putin recognised the two self-declared breakaway republics in the Donbass. He then immediately signed uh, friendship and cooperation treaties with them and then announced that Russian heavy, inverted commas, quotes, peacekeepers would move into these republics. Now, one of the big questions is, these republics only contain about a third of a territory they claim. So will these Russian forces be used to claim that territory? Also, there is the small matter of the fact that it is, that, you know, that Putin's statement essentially ends the Minsk process, which was meant to be about trying to find some form of, of, of special status for uh, these regions, but keeping them within Ukraine. It is also a unilateral declaration of, you know, these places taking away a chunk of Ukrainian territory in violation of international law. So the question was overnight was what level of sanctions will the West respond with? Now, I think there was a certain pessimism because the Biden administration seemed to suggest that, look, we knew that there were Russian forces in these places. You know, they were little green men before. They're now going to be wearing Russian uniforms. You know, that won't trigger the, the full set of sanctions. But so, it was surprising this morning when the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz came out and said that Germany will now not certify Nord Stream 2. It's now going to review its entire energy policy, the, you know, the subtext of which is that it's far too dependent on Russian gas and wants to get away from that. And so the, the ball is now very much back in Vladimir Putin's court. This is this is a, at the maximal end of responses that were expected. Uh, the UK government is announcing sanctions on Russian financial institutions and individuals. And so... We, the question now is, what does Vladimir Putin do? Now, I think this is more of a response than he expected. I think if you watched any of that bizarre staged National Security Council meeting that he held yesterday, you saw that this is a man who is not currently listening to any bad news. You know, I mean, you saw you saw these people, several of whom were clearly nervous, just kind of saying, yes, I agree. And he would challenge them and, and ask them to agree more strongly. You know, and, and, and so does he respond by saying, right... Well, Nord Stream 2 is now over. That makes the pipeline that flows through Ukraine more important and decide, you know, him to decide to take more action on Ukrainian soil for that reason. Or is he shaken by the firmness of the West response, particularly coming from Germany? You know, I think one of the reasons why Putin decided on the course of action that he did yesterday was an attempt to split the West. He decided to go for the action that he thought would not draw the unified response from the West of the hat. So I think he will be surprised that, you know, you've got France in Brussels holding the EU uh, Council presidency, pushing for a hard package of sanctions. You've got Germany uh, saying it won't certify Nord Stream 2. You know, if his aim was to divide the West, it does not look like he has succeeded this morning, to, to, which is a pleasant surprise. So how does he now respond? But James, just saying on that, it is a surprise, isn't it? Because there was a moment this morning when the, even the Americans were reluctant to use the word invasion to describe what had happened in Donbass last night. Yeah, and look, Russian forces moving into these breakaway republics, I mean, the Biden administration's point was, you know, there were already Russian proxies there, you know, that those people will now be wearing Russian uniforms rather than militia uniforms. I, I think that the, the, 
the Americans have been trying to carry their allies with them on this, and they have been putting huge amounts of pressure on Berlin over Nord Stream 2. But it is still a surprise, because if you think back to that Biden-Schultz joint press conference, Biden was the one saying Nord Stream 2 will not happen if Russia goes into Ukraine. And Schultz was nowhere near as emphatic as Biden and kind of slightly dodged the question. So I think this is the sign of a more maximalist Western response. The question now is, how does Putin respond to that? Now, Katie, because of all of this, Boris Johnson started today with a Cobra meeting. Um, What can we expect from the British side in terms of sanctions or other response? Well, as James has just laid out, there's various discussions going on in terms of sanctions. I think that ultimately, in terms of what's going on elsewhere, we know that there's already plenty of sanctions against Russia, so you can add more what impact will it have. I think there is a sense that what will have ultimately a larger impact, or at least show this as, you know, stronger than previous, are further actions and actions more specific to certain countries. So as James has just said, you have Nord Stream 2 and the Germans putting the brakes on that, something which I think has taken some by surprise, given how soft they've been, or soft is perhaps wrong, given that they've seemed to be one of the, you know, the less gun-ho countries when it comes to these discussions. And now I think that puts pressure on the UK government when it comes to the city of London and Russian money. Now, Liz Truss has previously said that you're going to have a situation where they are going to crack down on this. But how far are they really going to go? Because I think there is an opportunity, it's something Labour have been pushing for, to take quite drastic action against you know plenty of those who are using London for Russian funds, some connected clearly to, to Putin. And I think that this is going to, I think, increase pressure on them to, to you know not just do the, the medium option actually to the full scale one which is going to create some turbulence. And Katie back in Westminster this week is obviously big in domestic politics because of the removal of Covid restrictions as we talked about yesterday and it seems that yesterday when we mentioned these uh, tests going uh, whether or not they're going to be continue to be free um, or not the government has made a decision on that. Yes, so you had a situation yesterday where after we recorded the podcast, I think the cabinet were meant to meet that morning. We've spoken about this cabinet meeting. That was actually pushed back. And that there was a bit of to and froing going between the Treasury, the Department of Health and number ten, of course, being playing a role in that, on who gets free tests and when. Now now at the moment it is, you know, over eighties, I think that there's um group. And there have been a push by the Department of Health to make that fifty plus. Now the Treasury trying to shake off the cost of free testing for some time. I think this is two billion every month. And obviously that's an astronomical figure if you're gonna keep it going. And what the Treasury wants to do, and I think backed by number ten to a degree, is start to say, well, you already have money proportioned for some COVID spend and you also have a large um, NHS budget. So you need to find the money from within that. And if you want to spend money on testing because you think it's really important to find a cut elsewhere. Now, clearly this is quite politically tricky because, you know, what Imagine if uh, the Department of Health said, well, we're going to cut money from, you know, electrosurgery, which is going to mess with the NHS backlog and make it even further to pay for testing. But I think it does mark a change. And actually, in the end, it does feel as though, despite, I mean, it's worth saying, you know, the Department of Health is saying that that this row has been blown out of proportion. But it does feel as though, actually, there has been a bit of victory for the Treasury and number 10 on this. And I think it's worth pointing out that when it comes to the balance of power in these, um, you know, Treasury Department of Health tussles. I think two things have changed. One, obviously, we are no longer in a, an acute phase of, pande- of the pandemic, and hopefully it stays that way. Um, so you are able to make the economic argument on various things without people saying, oh, well, obviously some people will say it, but, but without, you know, lots of talk of how, you know, careless it is. Now, there are some warnings, but I think 
it just feels very different, these conversations now. And then two, I would point to the fact that we have a new number 10 chief of staff, Steve Barkley, mm. who has worked in his role um, as chief secretary of the Treasury previously, is close to the chancellor, but also has that, to a, to a degree, a treasury mindset. And I think it means when you're having these talks, perhaps more in the case of someone like Dan Rosenfield, I think you have a voice that is likely to see the treasury view. And that is also playing a role when it comes to the advice that prime minister is getting from his number 10 team on which way to fall. And James, in, in, in the context of this, there's also a discussion over whether or not NHS staff should be given, continue to be offered free tests. Where is that going to go? Do you think Sajjava is going to fork out for that at least? The significance in some way of this announcement is that this is the beginnings of learning to live with COVID, is that the announcement contained no extra spending. If you think through the COVID crisis, you know, every time the Prime Minister, the Chancellor or the Health Secretary have opened their mouths, you know, know, there have been billions of pounds of spending announced, almost as a matter of fact. And I think that, you know, the fact that this is not happening now is very significant. And it is, as as Katie so astutely pointed out, it is clearly a statement of intent by the new Tom 10 Chief of Staff, Steve Barclay. We wrote that piece talking about a smaller state, reducing the size of it. I mean, this, I mean, you can say this is the kind of down payment on that, if you see what I mean, which is that this is, this is a sign that there will be resistance to attempts to say, well, this is necessary to deal with the pandemic, so you just must sign the cheque. I think on NHS staff, I think, I think a lot of it depends on where we are in April. Do we get a kind of uptick in cases because all the restrictions are going or not? Or if COVID is at a very is at a low level in April, I think that will be less of an issue than it is now. And I think this is so. I think a lot of it depends on where the situation stands with the virus, the politics of this. Various people have said that families won't be happy. It's another kind of tax on families having to pay five pounds for a lateral flow test and like. My assumption is that if COVID levels remain relatively low, people will not be choosing to test themselves particularly regularly unless they are going to see, you know, elderly relatives or vulnerable people. And also I think it's worth remembering that, you know, if given that the over 80s who will get COVID tests free, I suspect there will be some people who visit the over 80s who take a COVID test before they see them, you know. So it is it is not as... Yeah, there is slightly more nuance here than than, than, than than perhaps the government wants to state explicitly. But I think this is, but I think it, it is clearly a statement of intent by the new number 10 operation that this is about trying to kind of say, right, you know, the era of pandemic spending is over. James and Katie, thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening. Now, remember, if you enjoy The Spectator's political analysis, you can sign up to our daily newsletter, uh, The Evening Blend, at spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Hold up. 